Lance Isios is a native of Canada and a world traveler who has dedicated his life to helping heal the world through the power of storytelling and human connection. In between there, I really had problem with numbing and alcohol was my thing to numb. He is the host of the top-rated podcast, University of Adversity, inspiring hundreds of thousands of listeners to transform their darkest days into their greatest motivators. We all have that inner warrior in us and the adversity is almost like pulling that out, harnessing that, and then we're like alchemizing that pain into our purpose. Lance has interviewed over 400 renowned individuals from around the globe, including world-class entrepreneurs, pro athletes, celebrities, doctors, spiritual masters, and everyday heroes. How did the suicide of your brother shape your life? Well, I mean, I had a lot of regret. He is the visionary behind Make Up Media, an agency committed to connecting inspiring leaders with podcast opportunities, enabling them to grow their business, enhance their brands, and build valuable networks. People ask me, like, what did I do to quit drinking? And for all you listeners out there, I'll, I'll give you three, three steps here to make it easy to kind of understand what I did. Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. Lance, absolute honor to have you here on this podcast. A man who has a very popular podcast, top 1% podcast host. So honored to have you here, my man. Along with the podcast, I know you have a best-selling book as well called Mastering Adversity. And that's where I'd like to start this conversation. I'm very intrigued and interested about adversity. It's something I'm uh, big on, on myself. having gone through many challenges and struggles in my own life and knowing the importance of it in life for overcoming obstacles and continuing to move forward. But my first question to you is, uh, can you bring us back to a time where that began, where you were going through a challenge or a struggle or potentially a, a deep pain that in hindsight was the birth of this mastering of adversity for yourself. Yeah. Well, first, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we all go through adversity, right? We all do. And we, there's not much what we can really do about it, but prepare for it. And for me, there's been quite a bit. And from doing the work on myself, I've had to go back and and sort of visit the timeline of my life as to like what created some of the behaviors that ended up you know showing up in my life and a lot of it was rooted in trauma right a lot of the things that happened that became coping mechanisms and ways of hiding from myself from uh in numbing all of that sort of starts when we're young and for me it was I would say if I could go back to when things really started for me it was probably when I was I was 11 years old so I had to move 
across the country away from my mom. So at the time, I was it was a it was a very challenging situation, and at the time, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, and I didn't really think that that moment was that big of a deal for many years until recently, when I started to even write my book and look into my own behaviors with alcohol and and um, you know this wounding that I had that I just could never seem to fit seem to heal and. That's where I believe that it started because when I moved across the country, I went to a new school and you know how it is when you're a kid, you're at this weird age where, um, you know, right before a teenager, it's a really important time and I didn't have a lot of stability in the family life. So I went to a new school, I got bullied. My dad ended up meeting this, this, this crazy woman with four kids. It was like right out of a movie. She was like the stepmom from hell. And it was just, it was just a really crazy bunch of years in my teen years, which ended up leading to like a lot of the unraveling that happened for me. And there was some, you know, big adversity that ended up happening later on. Like I lost my younger brother to suicide and my dad to cancer. So that was obviously a different chapter. But in between there, I really had problem with numbing and alcohol was my thing to numb and over the years that was sort of like what I did and what I used to kind of fuel my life because I was working in the bar and restaurant industry for many years and it was almost like my way to escape from myself my pain so when I decided to go sober for a whole year in 2017 that's when the work really started. That's when I really decided to make a change for myself was that year of sobriety because then I was allowed to kind of get clarity on my life and start to work on building new habits, replacing them, you know, with things like reading, personal development and meditation and all the things, the buzzwords you hear about. I started to do that. And I guess that is where a lot of the transformation started. So there's a lot there. I mean, there's, there's, there's many events, but you know, when I actually realized that I needed to make a change was, was 2017. But then even up until this point, there's been a lot of stuff in between there, adversity that I've had to go and deal with and heal and work through. So yeah, man, it's been, I think we're all very unique individuals and we all go through it. I think it's essential. And for me, now would I, after, you know, doing a lot of work on myself and you, you know how it is, you start to get a new perspective on life as you start to alchemize this adversity that we face into your power. And that's what I really believe. And that's the big message of my book. And, you know, it's unlock the warrior within and turn your biggest struggles into your greatest gifts. Like that's really what I feel is happening where we all have that inner warrior in us. And the adversity is almost like pulling that out, harnessing that, and then we're like alchemizing that pain into our purpose or into our power. And that's kind of been my message and that's sort of been what I do. And it seems to be, you know, kind of we have similar messages that way. And I think the adversity is really, it, it, it really reveals our true character, you know? And yeah, it's... 
it's been important. And I think just being aware of that has really helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can relate, my man. The inner warrior, I feel, has been hidden away with the with the warrior. So I think a lot of men, and you, you too, most likely, you know, you felt that you had more to give and you could do better in life. And you had this inner warrior within, but there was the worry of the changes that need to be needed to be made in order to begin to cultivate that new path in your life. So when it came to 2017 and you decided to go sober, what did that look like? Was that a matter of waking up one morning with a nasty hangover and saying, no, this is enough? Or were there some events up to that point that just uh, tipped you over the edge? What happened around that time? Yeah, so I was actually living in Sydney, Australia, and I was working in the bar industry. And we, you know, I partied. Like I, I, you know, I lived the life of a rock star for a time there. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. But, you know, I would come home and I would just, I would be so wrecked, like physically, mentally, and the anxiety that I would get. I'd get these tremors in the middle of the night, these hot sweats. The anxiety attacks were bad. And I just, you know, when you're, doing something really stupid and then you're just like you you know like your intuition is speaking to you like what are you doing you know you could do better than this like how long are you going to keep doing this and luckily i didn't kill myself from all of that punishment with the booze and the drugs that i was doing because i likely could have there's been people that have died on a lot less than what i had so i look back and i'm like man but I always had that inner voice speaking to me and intuition has been a big, powerful tool in my life, which we can talk about. But for, for that, I, I just had this knowing that, man, you got to stop. You just got to stop this. And I had attempted it before and it just never worked out. But then in 2017, for whatever reason, something deep told me to quit. And I think I know why, which I could get into after as well but I I just people ask me like what did I do to quit drinking and for all you listeners out there I'll, I'll give you three three steps here to make it easy to kind of understand what I did first is like have a plan like if you want to sober like have almost like you're creating a business a podcast have a, your why have a purpose of why am I quitting like why, why is this and have it there and really think about the commitment like put it on paper but then you also have to think about what habits am I going to replace? Like, what do I want to do with my time? Right? You got to have a plan to, to, to replace those habits of drinking. So what I did was I, you know, had that, had a deep why, because I, I was just so tired of the, the fuck ups all the time and digging myself out of the hole. So then I said, okay, the next step was change my environment. I knew the bar industry, the bar that I was working at was not good for my health and for my well-being, So I quit that job and I actually took three months off and thank God I was living on the beach in Bondi beach. I was living in this little bachelor pad, you know, just a little shithole place, but it was like beach life in Sydney. And I was, I had worked my ass off. So I had, you know, two or three months worth of money to live comfortably, to take some time off. And that's what I did. So that's the second thing is like change. You got to change your environment. You need to remove yourself from anything. I needed to remove myself from anything that is going to tempt me. I didn't go out to eat. I didn't go out 
I didn't go any of that. I had to detox myself from that shit, right? And then the third thing is like, okay, now how am I going to change the habits? Like, what am I going to do instead of drinking now, right? And then you start to you start to make commitments on on different things you want to do. You know, maybe I started to work out. I started to, you know, maybe have an activity early in the morning where you got to start making commitments with people and. You know, you, you, you just replace that. You don't give yourself any chance to, to fall off. Like you keep your schedule busy, right? You keep it full so that you're just, you're going. And if you give yourself enough time out of that environment, and then you start to replace it with new habits, working out, you know, going for a swim, running, whatever you're doing, eating healthy, all of a sudden you don't really want, you start to see results. You don't really want to drink it. For me, I was like, okay, this is working. This is good. The universe is giving me feedback. I'm starting to feel good here. I'm starting to feel alive again. I'm like, this is interesting, you know? So that's kind of how I did it. And I just sort of kept those things up for the rest of the year. And then I got to the point where I was ready to go back to the bar. I got another job and I was completely sober. I wrote a cocktail list. I ran the bar completely sober that entire year at the Four Seasons in Sydney. And I was like straight in my head. I was just like, it was a weird thing though, because Usually bartenders, usually people in that industry aren't sober. And it really, that was the single most challenging thing I've ever done is to stay sober while running a bar and managing a bar while writing a cocktail list. So it was a great challenge that I overcame. But that was really, you know, to answer your question, what it looked like, it's it's really getting serious about why, why I wanted to quit, changing my environment, and then, you know, developing habits that are going to be more beneficial to my life and, and which I took from the plan that I made in the beginning, right? So those three things I think are really helpful. And as you start to, as I start to see results, um, the less and less I wanted to be involved in that. And then eventually I was able to go back and go out and have, go to a restaurant or a bar and have, you know, a San Pellegrino or, you know, whatever, a kombucha. I didn't care, but I think a lot of people struggle with that in the beginning and it's, and it's like, it's important to give yourself that time away from it to sort of detox and build those habits. Yeah. To change your identity from the party animal to the, uh, jacked dude in the gym or whatever it might be. So yeah. And on, on that question of why, you know, you, you, uh, asked the question as to why you wanted to quit. <clears throat> Were you able to answer the answer the question as to why you were drinking so much? Uh yeah. I just man, I don't know. I I just loved I loved partying. I loved socializing. I love just like the unknown of what's gonna happen. I don't know. It was I'm a very social person. And look, if if alcohol and partying didn't make me feel like shit and ruin your health, I mean, I would love it, right? But it's the <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. It it helped me a lot. I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do today without it. So, um, but the drinking was just something that I guess if I were to think about why I actually drank a lot is because I just was very insecure with who I was. And I felt like when I drank, I could create this new character that didn't give a shit what people thought and wasn't. Um, wasn't uh, like I, w I didn't say I was shy, but I, there was times where I just wasn't as confident. But like you know, you give me a, a shot, 
they give me a tequila and I'm like, I'm back. You know, I'm like, I don't worry about it. And this, I just got so used to this like fake identity that I got a lot of validation from, like from women and I was making money. I was getting, you know, I'm looking after VIPs and like, you know, really I was doing well, but it didn't feel good in my soul. Right. It didn't feel good that because then I, I started to realize, like, what is everybody doing here? I feel like everybody's just in this bar because everyone's like, just, like, traumatized, just trying to hide from shit. Like, if you really think about a bar environment, how it's it's messed up. Like, it's messed up when you think about, like, what why are we all here? Like, why what is, what is going on here? Like, I get it. We're having a beer, having a pint. Like, it, I mean, it, whatever. But, like, these these people that go every single day, like, I just, you got to wonder, like, isn't there anything better that we can be doing? And I just started to wake up a little bit and be like, this doesn't feel that good. And I don't really feel like this is fulfilling. So yeah, man, I don't know. I just, that was just something that I got used to. And, you know, when you get feedback from the world, when you do something, you just kind of keep doing it. And that's sort of what I did. But the feedback from my body wasn't so good. So yeah, it was it it was an interesting it was an interesting time. And uh that's why I think most people drink is because a lot of people have this social anxiety where they don't feel enough just being who they are. They gotta like, you know, liquid courage. Like how messed is that? Why do you need a drink to talk to a human? Like we're it's such a messed up situation that we're even that that's even a thing, Normal right? Thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Dutch courage to talk to a woman. Yeah, isn't that what? When you yeah. think about it, like, hey, I'm I'm okay with it. go have a drink, drink. Like, I mean, shit. Like, I don't care. But it's just it's weird when you think about how many people feel that way, and they they feel like they all have to drink this poison just to like just to like fit in. Like, it's really it's interesting, and you know, they I feel like you know these big companies and alcohol they all feed into that. And I guess that's just the world we're living in, but it's, it was really interesting to witness working in that so closely and just, yeah. just witnessing like people and, and, you know, asking the question, like, what, why are you here right now? Like you have a family, like, what are you doing here? You know? Mm-hmm. So the alcohol was most likely used as well. Correct me if I'm wrong to, to numb the, the pain of your trauma in the past and, and yeah. to escape from that. And oh, absolutely. As you remove as you remove the alcohol, then the pain comes to the surface, and then you don't have this numbing agent to uh, to push it back down or to soothe that that wound again. Totally. So, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, that that's exactly it. It was it was it's a numbing. It's a escaping from feeling, just like any sort of addiction. It's like you you you're trying to escape to feel better. In the present moment and um i i had suppressed a lot of pain in my over the years you know living away from family and um and yeah i was just essentially hiding from myself you know i i knew like there was always this voice inside of me too was like you you can do better and i would like silence that with the booze i'd be like shut up I don't want to listen to you, you know, like that, like the higher self was trying to speak. And I was like, shut up. And I drowned it with booze later, later tomorrow. Right. And, and 
that's kind of the pattern because I've always known. And when you know better, it's like ignorance is bliss, right? When you know better and you keep doing shit, it's, it doesn't feel good. You know, whose voice was that? That was telling you that, that you could do better. I think there's just my, my intuition, my higher self. I've got very good at tuning in to my intuition my whole life. And I didn't really know that that's what it was. And now that I start to, now that I do a lot of, you know, I've done a lot of plant medicine, psychedelics and breath work is a huge component of my life. Meditation. Now I understand what that was. And that was my intuition speaking to me. And I didn't know what that was, but now I realize, oh shit, I've been tapped in for a while. I just didn't really understand it. And I think a lot of people are, but you know, we live in a society where if you don't see it and you can't prove it in front of you, it doesn't exist. It's a crock of shit. Like there's so much more in a metaphysical going on than what you can like see physically sometimes. Like there's, and there's science to back that too, but you know, we're taught to just like not, oh, it's just, it's nothing. Mm. And it's not, it's not true, man. Like it's not true. And the more I do this, the more work I do and peel back these layers, the more trauma, the more work, the clearer that intuition gets. And I believe that the, the more shit we go through, the trauma that we face in our life, the cloudier the lens that we see life is and the cloudier the feeling lens to our intuition is. And so as you start to clear that out, you squeegee that out, clean out the pipes to the connection, you start to get a deeper signal. Your signal gets louder and more, you feel it a lot more than once you're doing this work. And that's what I've noticed is like doing the work is what peels the layers back and allows you to be connected to your truth, your intuition, which is your heart, right? Which is like the truest, true, the truest story that you can tell is like from the truth, your heart, and which is your intuition. So, which is a big thing about what I, the warrior, like I believe the warrior is like that, that deep thing, that deep being in us that I think we all have access to. Like for live right now, I believe we all have that. And I think that speaks to us in our intuition, but we can, you know, we can unpack that more, but that's, that's kind of my thoughts. I always go on these tangents a little bit. So just, no, I, love, well, I love tangents, man. I love tangents. <laughs> the, the, this whole process of healing, was there a, was there a pivotal moment there or was there a pivotal practice along that? journey or along that process that you feel had a, a greater influence on you than anything else? Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, when I lost my younger brother to suicide in 2016, um, that was a big, that was a big year, right? That was when a lot of the stuff, when things went kind of, it was a, it was a crazy year. And then, um, that was part of the reason why I quit. I think I was really, and I don't know, man, there was just, that was probably the pivotal, I mean, that was, that was the pivotal moment was, was kind of navigating that. And, you know, six months later, while I was sober, my dad passed away, which I got the news and I had to go and see him. So it was, uh, that was, so within a year and a half, we lost my younger brother and my dad and it was, it was tough, but luckily, and this is why I think. I did quit initially because I feel like I knew what was coming. 
I was six months sober when my dad passed. And I feel like something deep within me knew the shit that I was about to go through and what I had to deal with. So it was like preparing me. And that's really my belief is like it knew it could foresee what was happening. And then it prepared me for, you know, when eventually suddenly my dad got cancer and had passed away. So if I had been in the state I was a year prior, I don't think I could have handled the situation like I did. I think I would have been a lot, lot harder and I would have unraveled. But in this case, I was sober and I was able to really navigate that, that unfamiliar terrain of losing a parent. And that was where a lot of the work was really applied. You know, we can do all this personal development work, but it's not until the adversity hits where you actually apply it. Right. And, and that was like real life application. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was definitely another pivotal moment. So there's been a few. How did the suicide of your brother shape your life? Well, I mean, I had a lot of regret. I had a lot of shame around it. Guilt. Not shame. Shame's the wrong word. I take that back. I had a lot of guilt and regret around it because um, I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him. Like I mentioned earlier, um, his mother was that stepmother that my that my dad got remarried from. So he was the, he was the child of that marriage. So we were, you know, kind of distant she really interfered with the relationship between him and my dad and him and I and that's why I think he got so fucked up is because he just didn't have any stability and she just didn't allow that yeah almost as if his death brought you back to life again yeah in a strange way yeah yeah well it's it's true and it it's true like yeah I mean, how do we know what the hell's going on, right? Like, that could have very, yeah, it's, yeah. So was that was that the turning point for you in terms of this process of your life where you begin to start your podcast? You know, yeah, you leave the bar work. Yeah, I left the bar. I left the bar at the end of 2017. I started the podcast. So actually. 2018, I started to get on podcasts. I, I wanted to share my story. And then when I realized kind of the power of that, I wanted to start my own. And then I started my own. And then, yeah, I just, I realized that the skills that I developed from working in the bar industry for so many years became assets when it came to having people on the podcast. Like I knew how to really connect with people quickly and I knew how to have a conversation because I've been doing it for so long. It was just second nature. I was able to build a rapport quickly. It's just something that sometimes I, I take for granted that not everybody has, but it's just like it just happened because of, of the reps of coming to, you know, going to a table and serving tables and coming, people coming to your bar. It's like there's a there's a comfort zone thing that really the uh, you got to just, you got to just, you know, work through. So, yeah. And then, you know, from then till now, there's been a, all kinds of shit too, right? The entrepreneurial journey, the the podcast journey, there's been all kinds of ups and downs since then. So it's like, there's just 
ups and downs, man, peaks and valleys all the time, as you know, right? There's, and uh, yeah, I feel like even telling these stories of back then, and they feel so long ago that it's almost like I'm a different person now, you know? And like now the shit that I'm going through the last while will be the thing that I talk about later. It's just interesting how we, how, how we evolve, you know? And how like, you know, the stories we tell and how far we've come from when we're that person. Mm -hmm. But untread that entrepreneurial journey. What was the biggest failure there? Man, how much time do you got? <laughs> um, you give me the biggest one. <clears throat> biggest failure in entrepreneurship. Oh, I would say mishandling money. When I would okay, this is this is a great question because I I I really never get asked this, and it's something that I really want to talk about, and because the situation I was in had a little bit of capital and I thought because I had the money that I didn't need to learn some of the skills and then I'd hire people to do it, the work for me. And then if it didn't work out, then I would get upset because they didn't know what they're doing. But the biggest mistake that I made was not taking complete 100% fucking ownership of my business and understanding it and understanding what I am hiring for and everything going on first, like trusting the people that I hire to like, to, to, to just trust them to do the job. That's not good enough. And now I realize, man, that was an expensive lesson. Like just not knowing when to fire people when you need to fire people is so important your gut again my intuition and and just just poor decisions right like just poor decisions not following through with things uh and just spending when unnecessary now i will say there's a caveat to that is that here's the other perspective is that there's this is a long journey right you know, and a lot of times we can say that I can say right now that that was a failure or that was whatever, but that's only because the outcome that I expected didn't happen. That doesn't mean that I didn't make the right decisions for the outcome that's going to be happening and that that was exactly what I was supposed to do because if in those moments, I say this, if you can do your very best and make the best decision that you can make, which I believe I did with what I knew, that's all you can do, right? And if you can make these decisions, you know, obviously from your heart, the best you can, that's all you can do. And for me, it's easy to say that those were failures, but then I'm like, well, if that worked out, then I wouldn't be doing certain things I'm doing now. So it's like a real way of looking at it that way. And I believe that, you know, I think, I think far ahead. I, I, I'm a visionary, man. I, I think I'm always thinking about like moves ahead. I see things not for right now, but like how, like, what's the vision of this thing? And sometimes it's hard because when you're thinking that way, the, 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 
the current circumstances can give you different feedback. But if you believe deep enough then and you trust, then you're okay when things don't pan out in the present moment as expected. So, yeah, I would say like to go back just for anybody, like take complete ownership of what you're doing and learn learn the shit that you need to learn. Like have an idea. I'm not saying do everything yourself, but I'm saying like have an understanding of what the thing is before you hire somebody. And um, yeah, just be smart. Just be smart with vetting hiring and, and, and just being like, I'm also, I also struggled with like when I, this, this happened to me when I was in the bartending industry too. It's like, there was that fine line between boss and friend. And I, I found that that was something where I had these like people pleasing things where I was like, almost like become too much of their friend where I can't tell them straight up. And then it's like the line gets skewed. So I think that's very important too, is like learning that you got to be able to communicate effectively and you're not everybody's best friend and not everybody has to like you. This being part of the the nice guy persona, would it be? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, and and for me, just learning, learning that people will, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile, as they say. Mm -hmm. And, um... You just, yeah, you just got to be direct. And if your intentions are good, you're not trying to hurt people's feelings. Then how they receive it is how they receive it. But this is the this is the game of entrepreneurship. Like this shit, you can't you you have to just learn in the field, right? Like it's all about managing relationships. It's all about managing emotions. And when you have a team, it's like it's just one big. You're just putting out fires and, and, and you're just managing people. And it's like, while still keeping the vision intact and while still growing, but yeah, there's, there's just so much there. And I, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was like, there's not nothing better than like the lessons to learn in entrepreneurship. Like everything that you need to work on, you will have to work on for me. So it was like a light was shining on everything. Like, oh, you think you can hide from this thing? Wow. It's going to show up and you're going to have to, you're going to have to learn it until, you know, but that's, that's the beauty of it all. That's the beauty of it. It's like, it's your own business and you get to learn shit as you go. And you're like, this is, this is the puzzle piece to the thing that I want. So it's like, why try to avoid it? learn it's your it's your thing that's the real that's the realization and like i had this misconception that i gotta press a button the four-hour work week and everything's gonna get automated and done for me i don't have to do shit that's a stupid attitude like it's a stupid attitude and i think we should all get used to putting in the reps and putting in the work and then earning it so that we feel good not just i'm just gonna just try and take the shortcut right you probably see this in fitness you see this in all these areas you start shortcutting it in this area. You take a shortcut there and you start cutting corners before you know it. Your whole life is about cutting corners. And it's just, anyway, you get to a dead end. Yes. Entrepreneurship, best thing a person could do. Also the fucking be the biggest beating you'll take in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all on the same sure. day, all the same day, you'll get, you'll get beat up. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll, you'll, yeah. But it's worth it, man. It's worth it. 
rather than working for somebody else. Not to say working for someone else is a bad thing. Not everybody's designed to be an entrepreneur, Matt. Mm -hmm. No way. And I, that's what I would prepare people with. Like you, you know, if you got a great boss, a great gig, a great opportunity to make a lot of money and sales, like, and you love that, man, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. For sure, man. Yeah. It's, it is subjective and it's, as you say, it's not for everyone because it is extremely uncomfortable and (laughs) you've got to be 100% accountable and responsible for your actions and your, and your journey going forward. And that's not... That doesn't sit well with a lot of people. So, um, yeah, just on the on the part of forgiveness, you know, the, those people in the past. You talk about your stepmother, for example, maybe your father, maybe yourself. Have you been able to forgive those people in the past? Have you been able to forgive yourself? What a great question. Yeah, I mean, the f- forgiveness is the key to everything, because. It's like, you know, that famous saying, if you drink poison and expect the other person to die, it's not, you know, or what? Yeah. That's something like that. And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, be, be nice. A little grudge. What else is about, is, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person yeah. to die. Yeah. 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 You're, you're holding on to that. Yeah. It's, it's like, it has nothing to do with them. So for me, yeah, it's a great idea because- if it wasn't for the step, my stepmom, then like, man, so much came out of that. And it was just put our family through so much. So it's, it's, it, again, it's almost like a gift because it shaped and built so much character and resilience in me that I don't think I would have had otherwise. And yeah, I, I forgive. I mean, I forgive everybody in my life, you know, I, I don't have that grudge. I'm probably harder on myself than anybody else. Um, there's times where I, I, I get upset at myself because I know that I've ignored. And I think we all do it at times, like our greatness and our greatness in speaking to us in our intuition. And it's like, and I just, like going back to like, when you know better, you know better. And it just, that I think things like anxiety and things like procrastination and these feelings of overwhelm come when we're just hiding from ourselves. And it's like, it all goes away as soon as I just do the thing that I know I'm supposed to do that's in alignment. And when I'm doing it, I don't give a shit about anything or what anybody thinks. So I guess, yeah, there's been times where like I have beat myself up for like not for wasting time, I guess, you know, for, but I, um, I do know that there's no, there's no need for that now. And it actually hurts the person more holding on to that. So it's important to forgive because all we have is now the past is gone and you know, I can't do anything about it. So I have to forgive myself, but I would say that was probably, that's probably the, the, the toughest, you know, just forgiving myself for the shit that I've done and what I didn't do and what I said. And yeah, just my actions, you know, I think that's the, the most important, but sometimes the toughest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you there, man. Now what's it been like? having your mother back in your life again. 
Yeah, really good. I um, oh, I mean, it's challenging too, right? <laughs> it's she. She is your mother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, yeah. I've been visiting her, and I think, like I said, a lot of the wounding that came was from not having my mom and leaving her when I was young. So this is like very like deep wound that needed to be healed. And I think coming back to my old hometown and living, staying with her and just like connecting with my old roots kind of allowed me to sort of like reconcile that a little bit because yeah, you know, we, sometimes we think, you know, we're adults. We think these things when we're younger didn't affect us or it's not that big of a deal. But they do, and that's how trauma is, man. Sometimes, sometimes the big things don't affect us, but sometimes, like things like a kid leaving his mom when he's young, is 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 one of the worst, one of the hardest things. And it sounds like it's not a big deal, not a big deal. But for me, like that was that was where it all started. So I think now, I think I'm getting this opportunity and the blessing to be able to. You know, at 39 years old, I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. I'm able to go back and like spend time with my mom. Like how many people get to do that? Like not many. And it's like such a fucking blessing to me to be able to do that. And um, yeah, it's been good because it's it's healing. It's a healing process. But like I said, not been easy. That's for sure. But nothing is, right? Can you give us uh, some insight as to what happened there? To... to uh... That that create that caused a separation from your mother? Oh, just just over the years, since you know, when my parents got split up, I had a lot of anger. You know, blamed blamed her, blamed my dad. I was just an angry kid that just loved it, just missed his parents. Just that's all. I just missed my mom and I was I think I was just upset I didn't have her in my life. And I held that grudge for many years and I didn't realize that's what it was. But I think like this, just, you know, as a kid, that's just kind of what happens. Right. And it wasn't anything that, you know, she did, or she just did her best with what she knew at the time. And, but, you know, my family, we just, it's kind of what we did. We just fought a lot. I came from a family of fighting and I don't like that, but it's kind of deep programming and we just, that's just kind of how it's been, man. You know, but it's a process. How do you feel that's affected your, your own relationships in life? A lot, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it's, this is, this is why I do the work. Cause I just have this like deep anger that, that, uh, I think can be channeled for the good. I think anger is good. I mean, if you don't get angry, I think there's something wrong, you know, when, when you should, like when you went, you know, in a, in, in the right moment. Yeah. But I think also, um, it can work against you because it's kind of exposing your wounds a little bit, unhealed wounds. And I mean, and in, in relationships, yeah, like again, and, I would hold things in kind of people pleasing mentality and then just snap and say something hurtful and then regret it after. And I've done that in working relationships. I've done that in, in, uh, you know, 
intimate relationships. I don't know whether it's the Canadian in me or not, but I feel like a lot of people in Canada are very passive aggressive, very like, don't want to offend, hold everything in, and then just say, you know, I don't know what it is, but we're not the most direct. It's like we dance around things or something. It's weird. There's also also the fear that your anger could push somebody away. So you, you just, yeah, it's impressive. Like it doesn't necessarily mean you're friendlier. Like, I don't like, like, I would rather a person be direct. And even if I'm like, oh, shit, I'm like, oh, I respect that person. You know, it's being honest. Fuck, what am I going to say? Right. But it's like this, this, like, I don't know. And I think that has been a really, how to communicate is so important and how to, like, you know, to communicate in a relationship, it's like everything and how you communicate to anybody is, is, is everything. So, but it's about setting boundaries too. And you know, like people that are people pleasers don't like to set boundaries for themselves. They like to like be a chameleon and just adjust to that, whoever they're with. And there's, there's obviously value in being adaptable to people, but at the same time, you got to be solid in your foundation of who you are with boundaries and stuff. So I think for me with relationships, it's, it's just been interesting kind of, I haven't been one in four years since my last one. And for a reason, cause I just, I just want to get my own shit. I want to feel, I don't want to feel like I'm jumping in a relationship because I'm, I want a relationship. I want to feel like I find a partner that lights me up and we're on. And we're just more powerful together. I don't want to have somebody complete me or this or that. It's like, that's not what I want. So I feel like just navigating that has been really interesting and figuring out um, that in general, because that was also a reason why I found I was going, was in relationships. Cause I was like trying to get replaced, like a mother figure that I didn't have. And I found like, that's what I was looking for, which is now what I, now it's different because that's not what I want. I don't need somebody to like do the things like that. So, well, that's when you know you've done the work, man, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's that's the that's the cool thing about it is like we evolve, and um, but this is the part is like you gotta. A lot of people aren't willing to just look at their life and go, "All right, interesting. This is probably this may be why this is this happened." You know, because I think you got to go back on the timeline of your life, pinpoint these moments and be like, huh, interesting. This might've been that thing that really set me off. And yeah, anyway, it's humans are so complicated, but we're simple at the same time. Yeah. We do like to complicate things for sure. But, um, yeah, man, I've absolutely loved this conversation with you, man. Uh, very insightful and I've taken tons of value from it and I'm sure all the guests or the, all the listeners have done so as well um, can you tell us where we can find you grab a copy of your book and listen to your brilliant podcast as well I'll show you so you guys I don't know if you got a video Master University yeah, Unlock the Warrior Within sweet um, just showed it on the screen there uh, yeah you guys can just I would say just start on my Instagram Go to my Instagram. It's all there. The podcast, University of Adversity, and 
you know, I film lots of content just around, you know, mindset, personal development, spirituality, and yeah, I'd love to have you as listeners, love to have you as, you know, you know, people support me on my journey and, uh, yeah, grab a copy of the book if you feel called. I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely, man. Gonna stick that in the shopping list for sure. And uh, thank you, man, man. It's been thank a pleasure. You. Appreciate it, Gavin. Uh, thank you. Keep all the good work coming because I'm loving your, from a personal perspective, really loving your content and all the good work you're doing there, man. So I appreciate that too. Thank you, brother. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information, and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight. 